Today's reading from the Holy Gospel according to the witness of St. John, the 14th chapter beginning at verse 1, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Henceforth, you know him and have seen him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Amen. I have preached on the promise of God given in this familiar reading hundreds and hundreds of times. The occasion for proclaiming this promise is that inescapable reality called death. Through the years, I have had the honor and the duty as a pastor of the Lord's Church of officiating at over 600 funerals and memorial services. And these comforting words from the 14th chapter of John's Gospel were chosen by families of the deceased to be read as a reminder of our hope and the Lord's promise during these services. As Jesus speaks to us here, he gives comfort and hope, especially to us in a time of grief when a family member has died or a close friend. Our Lord has promised that he's already gone ahead of us. He's already prepared a place for us and that he will come and personally take us to be with him in the Father's beautiful, wondrous house. Jesus reminds us that he is the way there. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. So we have hope of life, even in the face of death. We Christians know, we want the world to know, that death does not have the final word. That word belongs to Christ alone, and that word of Christ is life everlasting. So these are good Words to remember when we gather for the funeral of a friend or family member. They will be good words for others to remember when they someday come to a place like this for your funeral and for my own. Someday, soon enough. I've said it before and I'll say it again. These beautiful words of Christ, the promise of a place with Jesus... They're so good to hear, 
when a loved one has passed away. But these are not just words to turn to at a time of death. These words of Christ are for the living, the living of our faith in times like these. This promise of Jesus is for those of us like those original disciples who can find ourselves troubled as they were and even confused as Thomas certainly was. These are good words for the living and I believe they are good words to hear as we prepare for Christmas, a Christmas that will be like no Christmas we've ever experienced before, right? On this third weekend in Advent, I know that for many of you, these are troubling and confusing times. Many people in our faith family, our community here, are troubled as the health orders and the government imposed restrictions on our way of life have far exceeded what we initially believed would be maybe a month, two months at the most. Well, it's December, huh? And we've been living with these government health orders for nine months and counting. Some of our dearly beloved brothers and sisters have not been in this sanctuary, in this house of worship since March. And even with the, uh, the gift of this live broadcast of all four weekend services, many continue to be troubled by the ongoing isolation and the loneliness they experience. Watching a church service on your screen at home is better than not worshiping at all, for sure. But we all know, even those of you watching at home, that it's not the same as being here with people, God's people, unmasked, getting close enough to shake a hand, to share a hug, to sit down in fellowship hall over a good cup of coffee and catch up with one another, to offer a prayer for one another. Our celebration of Pastor Carol Clark's faithful ministry and her retirement has now been on hold for one, two, three, four, five months. Reports from various government agencies, medical research centers, and scientific laboratories suggest, did you hear the word? They suggest that life won't begin to move back to normal until next summer. I hope they're wrong. But if they're correct, Carol will have been retired for a year already. In normal times, we would have had some parties. We would have had a reception to welcome Pastor Mark Bahanna as our newest associate. We would have had a reception in Fellowship Hall to acknowledge Scott Strawn, our uh, intern, our vicar, as he starts this wonderful time of ministry among us. But those customary celebrations did not take place, and that is our loss. Because we're well aware that most of you have yet to really get to know, to meet Pastor Mark. And even though Scott has been a faithful servant on our youth ministry staff for many years, the reality is 
It's mainly the faith families, the younger ones with children who've gotten to know Scott, and the older folks without children at home really haven't had a chance to get to know him either. So these are troubling times for many reasons. And it's far more than missed opportunities to thank a retiring pastor or welcome new ones. These are truly troubling times because of what this pandemic and the isolation created by government orders are doing. Many people have troubled hearts. Many people feel alone like they've never felt alone. Some have admitted that they're experiencing anxiety and depression, and some are afraid. And more than a few of you have told me that you find the ever-changing requirements before we can return to normal confusing at best and maddening, infuriating at worst. I don't want to hear much more about gating criteria because the gate keeps being moved and the criteria keeps changing. I never thought that two words, gating criteria, could create such a, a reaction in me. And it's not good. These troubling times are difficult for many people. Some have lost jobs. Businesses that were holding on by a thread have closed their doors, not just for now, but forever. Many funerals and memorial services have been postponed. As some of our members can't bear the thought of, of gathering here with social distancing, wearing masks, they want to wait until things have returned to normal. And you know, the, the closure, the spiritual closure that comes with a Christian worship service at the time of death, death of a loved one, has not occurred for many of our people. And so without that closure, you see, the grieving is lingering. It's been extended. And it is to this confusing, troubled world, to real people with real trouble, that Jesus always comes. It's to real people with all kinds of hopes and fears that Jesus makes his promise known. It was to a broken, sin-sick world that Jesus first came as the Holy One in Bethlehem. And it will be the same broken, sin-sick world that Christ will come again as King of Kings when all things are made new and the troubles we now know will be banished forever. It is Advent. And for Christians, Advent is a holy season. It's a season of It's a season of anticipation. And isn't that the Christian life? Christ has come. Christ will come again. We pray that he will find us faithful in between his first and second appearance. 
Every Christmas, as we look back, as we remember, we are reminded that Jesus did not come to a world that was particularly eager to welcome him, acknowledge his lordship, or celebrate his appearance. If you're a member of this congregation and haven't read my little epistle in the December newsletter, please do so. But I can tell you, and many of you know, as a result of that first Christmas, King Herod had all the little boys, two years of age and under, put to death. We Christians call that the slaughter of the holy innocents. So if you feel fed up with today's politicians and ever-changing government policies, well then, imagine living with this kind of government-ordered violence and terror. And we should all remember what happened when Jesus came home and stepped forward to read the Word of God during worship in his home congregation. It's all there in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4. After Jesus read from the book of Isaiah, the people attending worship that day in Nazareth did more than express their displeasure and disapproval by sending a strongly worded email to the rabbi the next day. That's what we do now, right? No, these people were furious. They were agitated. They grabbed Jesus and and pulled him out of the house of worship. They tried to kill him. How's that for a homecoming? And every Christmas we are reminded that Jesus will return to a world that appears by the signs of these times no more eager to welcome him or acknowledge his lordship these nearly 2,000 years later. I know that there are children watching the service with moms and dads across the city, across the country, so I'll watch my language carefully. But several of you contacted me when you heard the news from California that a San Diego Superior Court judge ruled that, and I'm using euphemisms now, adult clubs with live entertainment could remain open while churches were forced to remain closed. How is that for a world turned upside down? And Many of you were equally upset when we were not allowed to have services here in the sanctuary earlier in this pandemic, when the big box stores were allowed to remain open, business as usual. And here's the thing. We shouldn't be surprised when things like this take place. Over and over again, Jesus has warned us to expect as much. His word of life and love will always be at odds with this culture of death and hatred. His singular, eternal, omnipotent lordship will always threaten those who attempt to grab power, wanting to carve out for themselves their own little fiefdom, their own little kingdom, their own little sphere of influence and power and control here on earth. And the light of his lordship 
the light of his love will always infuriate those who prefer to lurk in the shadows and cook up their schemes and make their secret deals in the shadows. So the one who tells us, let not your hearts be troubled, (laughs) knows there's plenty going on around us that is troubling. Jesus knows. He knows the troubles of your life, mine too. He knows if your trouble is a health concern, lingering, family issues, estrangement, brokenness. He knows the troubles you're having at work. He knows the troubles that many of you are experiencing, this emotional fatigue, this spiritual fatigue, as we've been wearing our masks and keeping our distance for so long, and it appears we'll be doing so for many more months. Let not your hearts be troubled. So how can we untrouble troubled hearts? Well, it's not by what we might or even should do. Troubled hearts are untroubled by Jesus, by who he is, by what he's done. You see, the only hope for a troubled heart, for a troubled world, is to look outside of ourselves, beyond the confines, the parameters of today's sin-sick society. So we do, again and again and again, until he comes in glory, what Christ told those first disciples to do. Look up, look to God. Look here, look to me, look to Jesus who went the way of the cross for a world that was dying in bondage to sin and death. Hear the promise. You'll be with me forever. I've prepared a place for you in the Father's house. Government health orders, praise the Lord, will not last forever. And neither will this wretched pandemic. Politicians, the good ones who seek to do good, the rotten ones who are in it only for themselves, all of them, like all of us, will bend the knee and kneel in the presence when the true ruler of this world returns. Sinners and saints, one and all, will stand before the judge of the living and the dead. And the troubles of this world, the troubles of life, the troubles of your life and my own, will be swallowed up in the eternity of God's kingdom when it comes in its fullness, in its power, and in its beauty. Jesus has prepared a place for you in the Father's house. Think on that. Remember that. The living Son of God has made ready your place in God's eternal home. Whatever the future may bring, we don't have to worry about the ultimate result. We don't have to fret. And you don't have to 
Think about whether or not there'll be space for you in God's house because government restrictions of 25% occupancy do not apply to the Lord, thanks be to God. And there will be no masks and no requirements for keeping your distance. When we see our Savior face to face, we will embrace. And we will celebrate that sweet reunion, never to be separated again. When mailing Christmas cards and letters and packages, I'm old school. Some people don't do it anymore, I'm told, but I still, as I was taught in grammar school, I still put my name and my home address in the upper left-hand corner. Do any of you still do that? But we should all remember that whatever address we put there is not a permanent address. It's really temporary. Your real home, our forever home, is in the Father's house as Jesus' neighbor. Wherever you are living now won't be your home someday. Sooner for some of us than the rest of the younger ones but true enough for all of us eventually. I was listening to the radio the other day and um, heard that great song that being crossed be made so popular in 1943 when the world was very troubled, a world at war for the second time. And I heard him sing those words, and I'm not going to try to croon like Bing. Christmas Eve will find me where the love light gleams. I'll be home for Christmas, if only in my dreams. Well, we're all heading home, day by day, season by season. We're all heading home. And we're heading home, not just for Christmas, but forever. And this is not just a dream. It is the beautiful, trustworthy promise of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.